We are continuing our series called The One, and we are diving into just a a wonderful little episode in in the life of Jesus and his disciples today. So without further ado, grab your Bibles, open to Luke chapter 8. If you need to grab one from the pew rack in front of you, do that. We'll be on page 840 in the pew Bibles today. And as you turn, let, let me say this. This is one of those stories that is actually very familiar. Most, most of us in this room have probably heard this story a, a number of times before. And yet I want to offer you a challenge today, if you'll let me. Do not, in this passage, in these words, just hear a story about a cool moment or miracle that happened back then. Instead, open your mind and, and your heart to what God might want to say through this story to you now. Because Luke records this story not just to say, look at this really neat thing that Jesus did and what happened, but to teach and instruct the church throughout all generations. And so let's just ask God, God come, teach me, change me, mold me through your word today. Luke chapter 8, we're starting in verse 22. One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. As we jump into this story this morning, I want to point out to you that one of the reasons that all three synoptic gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, record this very same story for us is because... People in the ancient world believed that there was no greater symbol of downfall or destruction or chaos than a storm. A storm represented this, this huge destructive moment in their minds. And when you think about this, this, this really makes sense. It's, it's even true in our world today because there is nothing more powerful to witness, nothing more enormous and magnificent than nature raging at full force, is there? And by the way, the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus is with his disciples in this passage, was notorious for producing these kinds of storms. For all you meteorologists out there who just love the weather and like to watch the weather, it's not me, but my wife. She likes to watch the weather all the time. Like, do we have to watch the weather? I'm like, really, the weather? But for those of you who like the weather, I'll offer you this. The reason for these storms on the Sea of Galilee um, is... On the east side, the northeast side of the sea, there are these very high um, mountains. But the sea itself is actually located at about 600 feet below sea level. And so what would happen, how this would work, is you would have all the, the low elevation, warm, dry, arid air around the sea... And then this very cold mountain air would come up over the top, this heavier cold air, and it would drop rapidly and furiously into uh, this, this area above the lake. And this would produce really swirling winds, violent 
force, gale force winds, and storms would just well up in no time. This happens still today on the Sea of Galilee. In fact, listen to one traveler's account as she experiences this very thing, traveling across the sea on a boat. She writes, The sun had scarcely set when the wind began to rush down towards the lake, and it continued all night long with increasing violence, so that when we reached the shore the next morning, the face of the lake was like a huge boiling cauldron. Now again, imagine how helpless and small and susceptible you would feel in a boat in the middle of a sea like this. And friends, I bring this up because that is exactly what storms are. Storms are the things in this life, the things in this world that strip us of our sense of safety and stability and security. Storms are the things that are bigger than us, stronger than us. Storms are things that remind us that as much as we may think we're in control, this life is not in our control. Got any place in your life right now where a storm is raging? where you're starting to see that things are out of control and you don't have as firm a grasp on the wheel as you thought you did? You ever been in a place like that before? When I was 23 years old, I found myself in a storm where I was suddenly and almost instantly reminded of just how vulnerable I am. I was a youth pastor in Minnesota Uh, Amy and I had been married only four months and we had flown with a group of students and adults down to Mexico where we were teaming up with a local missionary about three hours outside of Mexico City. And the trip started off wonderful. We flew into Mexico City, we toured around the town, we saw the sights, we got to know the people, Um, we were having tons of fun and then we drove three hours out into the country to this mission where we were staying. And when we got there, there was this giant mission, and what we found was that in the very center of the mission, there was this outdoor, elevated basketball court. It was sort of built up about four feet off the ground, um, and it was kind of made of like bricks and some cobblestones. And then at the edge, like right at the edge of the court, like right at the boundary lines, it sort of sloped off with like dirt and rocks, just back down to like ground level. It was just sort of this strange, cool-looking court. And of course, as soon as the giant white American pastor shows up, what did all the local Mexican teenage boys want to do? Yeah, they wanted to play. They wanted to challenge us. Like, hoops was on. And so after we unpacked and settled in and they gave us a tour of the facility, teams were made. And it was myself and a few of the students from my youth group against this this local band of Mexican teams. And friends, this is one of those moments where, where, honestly, I'm just letting you into my world a little bit. I'm doing a lot of self-talk. I'm doing a lot of like, you ever like self, you feel like your, your emotions or your instincts are leading you one way and you know that's the wrong way and so you start to just talk yourself off the ledge. And so I'm saying stuff to myself like, this is not about winning. This is not about being impressive or showing off. The main goal here, youth pastor, is to have fun and help these teens relationally connect with one another. It's not about you, Dave. It's not about you. And I was doing really well (laughs) until that moment when we got the rebound and I was running up the right side of the court and then Phil Meisner, one of the kids from my youth group, 
through the most beautiful and perfectly placed alley-oop pass I have ever seen in my life. And it was just like Satan tempting me, right? So I'm running up the right side and I see the ball coming and I go up and thinking like this is, I mean, all all the locals are going to be so impressed. So I go up, perfect pass, catch it, get the dunk. I used to be able to dunk a long time ago. Don't ask me now. Get the dunk. But because I was running so fast up the court, my momentum carried me like past the hoop and now I come down and I'm landing on that sort of slanted rocky dirt sort of slope which I'm not used to and as I come down my foot kind of catches the wrong way and I my ankle snaps and I hit the ground and I am instantly in just tons of agony and now I'm rolling around in the dirt in massive amounts of pain and then finally I roll over on my back and I know this is like the second sermon in a row where I'm laying down so don't get used to it but I just want you to see so I'm like rolling around on the ground in agony and I finally roll over and I lift my leg up just to get a, a look at what's happened to my ankle and how it looks and as I do this I lift it up and I discover that my foot has fallen off my leg no no I'm like I'm serious my foot has fallen off my leg. It's like hanging there, pointed the wrong way, looking at me like right here. And so I'm like instinctively in a panic. I grab it. I put it back where it's supposed to go. Like, you don't belong here. You need to be back here. And I put it there. And now I'm doing that like breathing thing where you're like, okay. Now the self-talk has changed, right? Now the self-talk is like, and I'm saying to myself, okay, it was just out of joint. It was just, it just, it's going to be fine. It is, it's back in now. It's okay. And so I let it go. Why? I do not know. I let it go. And it just falls off again. And now I'm really panicking. And like my heart is racing. And it doesn't help that the blood is starting to pool through my sock. And I look up to see the looks on the faces of the kids in the youth group who instantly had gathered around me and now who are backing away (laughs) with looks of horror on their face. Just to add to the commotion, the the local missionary um, who was there sort of observing the game starts to like bark orders to every single local and Spanish speaker in the region. And he's going full. I mean, it's like... And there's just massive commotion. What they end up doing is they find two boards... They put them on either side of my leg. They wrap it in like this cloth to hold my foot on. Um, It's being held there by my sock, it appears. They put Amy and I in a van. And we begin the long, windy, bumpy ride down the dirt road towards help. The words that strike me from our passage this morning and that in this moment I could certainly relate to are simply these. And they were in great danger. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. You ever been in great danger? You ever felt like you were in the middle of a storm? Have you ever found yourself in the midst of a situation so powerful and potentially damaging that your vulnerability and helplessness were on full display for everyone to see, including yourself? Many in this room know exactly what that feels like. Some in this room are in the middle of a storm like that right now. 
a relational storm, a, a financial storm, a moral storm, an addiction storm, a loss of a loved one storm, a disease or illness storm, a storm of lost identity or purpose or life satisfaction or meaning. You see, friends, this story is not just about some wind on a lake 2,000 years ago. It's about the forces of this world that can and will remind you just how fragile you are. Perhaps what's most shocking about this storm, the storm in this story, about the the danger that these men are facing, is that right in the middle of it, Jesus is sleeping. The boat is sinking The boat is being swamped and Jesus is still just lying there. In fact, the disciples have to go and wake him up and say, Master, Master, we are going to drown. Now this is one of those moments where where I, I wish the Bible was recorded in audio because I would love to hear the tone of this question. Certainly in it there's fear. Certainly there's panic. But I have to wonder, is there also frustration and annoyance, maybe even anger? Are you kidding me, God? We're your disciples. We left everything to follow you. And now you're just going to let this happen to us? You're just going to sit idly by while we go through this, while we sink to the bottom of this sea for our families never to see us again? After a long, bumpy hour in the van, with the pain in my ankle only growing, we finally arrived at the clinic. I had a sense it might not be the best care available when we pulled up and found the doctor sitting out front in jeans and a flannel shirt smoking a cigarette. Um, In fact, as I told this story earlier this week to Pastor Gabby, um, our women's pastor who's from Mexico, you just saw her, she gave me a look like, please tell me you did not let them work on your ankle there. And I didn't. We did not. Instead, we called an ambulance to come and pick us up and drive us into the city. When the ambulance arrived, let's just say it was the smallest ambulance I have ever seen. So small that when I was put into the back of it, I could not even lay out, which I know, I know I'm really tall, but I had to sit like squunched just to fit. There were no EMTs, just a driver. The bed I'm sitting on in the, ca- in the back is not bolted down. It just was on wheels and just rolled around as we drove. So my wife and the missionary had to sit on the side and hold it so that when we turned, I wouldn't go get creaming into the sides. And again, but the whole time, my foot has fallen off my leg. Another interesting and sort of funny at this point now, looking back, fact, is that the very first thing we did after the ambulance came and we loaded up, guess what? First thing we did? Stop for gas. Really? Emergency vehicle? That's the first thing we're going to do? My foot is falling off my leg, people! So, I think it's probably not too much of a stretch to imagine that I'm starting to freak out at this point. Amy and I have only been married for like four months, and so looking back, this is kind of funny. I'm professing my undying love to her. Honey, if I die, just know that I loved you, and... You can get married again in like 20 years. It's totally cool. (laughs) But amidst all the drama and the emotion, there was certainly this underlying question. Really, God? I'm in the ministry. 
I'm a youth pastor. I'm on a mission trip, for crying out loud, down here to serve you and love you and follow you. Jesus, can't you see that I'm drowning here? Can't you see that I'm sinking fast and that time is of the essence? Won't you just wake up and do something, anything, to help this situation? Friends, isn't it true that God so often seems to really take his time when it comes to our storms? Tim Keller, talking about our passage today, says this. What this is teaching is God will often seem asleep because God will let things come. He will let storms come. He will let the waters rage. He will always let it go on longer than we think. He will not be hurried. Because, friends, here's the reality. Our timeline... Our priorities, our vantage point, is not God's. In fact, I'll tell you this, God's number one priority is not the instant and easy relief of our pain and suffering. He's got much bigger priorities than that. In fact, most often, and certainly in the passage we are looking at today, what God wants most out of our storms is for us to learn to trust Him in the midst of them. You see, God does not simply want you to trust Him to calm your storms, but to trust that He'll be with you as they rage. And this is exactly why Jesus asked this extremely piercing and probing question in verse 25. A question that He asked His disciples, a question I believe He asks you and me in the midst of our storms as well. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Is your trust in everything going smooth and things feeling safe and secure and stable? Or is your faith, is your trust truly in God no matter what the waters of the world are doing around your boat? After two hours in the ambulance, we finally arrived at the hospital outside of Mexico City. Just as another point of reference, if you're ever traveling by ambulance in Mexico... um, They do have sirens, but they don't care about the sirens, apparently, because no cars would move to the side, so we just sat in traffic. Um, But finally, we arrive at the hospital outside of Mexico City, friends, and it was beautiful. It was new, it was modern, it was clean, and my fears began to subside just a little. They put us in a waiting room until the doctor arrived, and when he did, after a brief conversation with uh, the missionary, I was quickly wheeled off to surgery... When I arrived in the operating room, several nurses began to prep the area and get things ready, including putting up a giant curtain, kind of, I'm laying on my back, like across my midsection so that what's happening down there couldn't be seen by me up here. And so now I'm in the room with all these people and yet I felt completely alone until all of a sudden the doctor, the only other person in the whole hospital really, I think, who spoke English and Spanish, came around the curtain and asked me if I had any questions. (laughs) And the only question I really had was, am I going to die today? And I did not feel like that was an appropriate question, so I asked the only other question I could think of, and that was this, how are we going to manage the pain during surgery? You can tell I'm a real tough guy, right? Like, is it going to (laughs) hurt? And the doctor, who again spoke just a little bit of English, uh, looked down at me and he said these words, we will do... A spinal tap? 
Now, I know some of you women are kind of thinking like, yeah, big deal, I've had one. I did not know what a spinal tap was. I was 23 years old. I didn't have any children. All I heard was the word spine and that you're going to mess with it. And the look on my face told that doctor everything he needed to know. And that was this. You might be able to mess with my ankle, buddy, but you're going nowhere near my spine. And so just seeing that look on my face... He paused and then came the moment. And this is the the most beautiful moment. This gentle, graceful, older, gray-haired, very distinguished-looking Mexican doctor leaned over me, looked right into my eyes and said, Son, are you Christian? And lying on my back, I looked up at him and I said, Yes, sir. And he said, Those who love the Lord he will take care of. You will be fine. And friends, I have not too many times in my life felt the tangible physical presence of the Holy Spirit wash over my mind and heart. But in that moment, the calm and peace that only comes from the presence of God entered that room in a way that I cannot even begin to describe to you. Where is your faith? Son, daughter, are you Christian? Is your hope in Jesus? Is your trust in the Lord? Is your peace, your ultimate, steady, unchanging, everlasting peace found in Him, even when all around you the wind and waves are roaring? Because, friends, that's the lesson of this story. All along, the disciples in that boat could have peace and confidence and rest and hope, not because the waters were calm and sailing conditions were just right, but because the one greater than any storm this world can ever throw at you says, I am in the boat with you. Trust in me. Put your faith in me. Know that even the winds and water obey me. You see, friends, here's the irony of this little event. The entire time, the disciples have been scared of the power they see in this storm and they have missed the power of the one whom they're with. See, they see this great power and it freaks them out and it blows them away, but they don't understand that the power of this one right here is a million times that. Are you in fear? Are you in awe? Are you amazed? Are you focused on the power of God in your life? Or are you too busy focusing on the storm around you? You see, the fear and amazement the disciples once had for the storm, it has now fully turned to Jesus. We spent three nights in that hospital in Mexico after the surgery, with Amy learning Spanish from the English subtitles of Mexican soap operas on the television in our room. And she picked up a lot of Spanish that way. That's a really good way to learn Spanish, if you have to. And I'll tell you what, friends, I'll just, I'll just say this. Hear this. The love and care we got while we were there, it challenged and changed some of the stereotypes I honestly had about the country and people of Mexico. This is probably one of, if not the most professional, loving, caring hospital experiences I have ever had. We returned to the States, doctors looked at my ankle, and they were blown away. On the last day, Dr. Gerardo came in to check me 
one last time and to say goodbye to us. And then he sat down and he prayed for us. And then right before he left, he told us that he would not accept payment, not a single dime, for the surgery that he performed on my ankle. You see, friends, the body of Christ is so much bigger than we realize. The people of God stretch out beyond borders and across cultures and through language gaps that sometimes feel insurmountable to us, but they are not because there are a lot of forces in this world that seek to divide us, but none of them is bigger than our God. None of them is stronger and more awesome than this one we read about in Luke chapter 8. So the question this morning is, what about you? What about your storm, your storms, your life? You see, maybe your storm didn't end as neatly or as nicely or as cleanly as mine did. Maybe your storm is still raging. Maybe you still feel like God is sleeping and you're asking and begging and waiting for him to just get up and respond and answer and help you. No matter what. No matter where you are, whether you're on the back end of a storm, the front end, right in the middle, the question Jesus asks us, the opportunity Luke offers us in this passage is to put our faith in the one bigger than any of the storms we will ever face. And that's what I want to give you a chance to do today. I want to give you a chance to put your faith in Jesus, in His power, in His death and resurrection through a meal we call the Lord's Supper. You see, sometimes, because we do this every week here, it just starts to become routine. This is not routine. This is a moment when we can very physically and tangibly say to ourselves and to our God, God, I trust in you. I believe in you. Even in the face of the storm, even in the face of all I'm dealing with, no matter what it is, you are bigger, you are stronger, you are more powerful, and I choose to trust you now. Friends, some in this room, maybe this is an opportunity for you to declare your faith and trust in Jesus for the very first time. Maybe you're here and you've never actually really declared Him Lord and Savior. You've never said it. You've never, from your heart, just made that choice to follow Him. If that's you today and you're ready to become a Christian, a Christ follower, one who says Jesus is Lord, just do this. When you take the bread and you take the cup, in your heart say these words to God, Lord I believe in you. Lord, I trust in you. Lord, I receive the free gift of love and grace offered through the death and resurrection of your Son for me. Come into my life and change me. Maybe that's some of you today. For others, maybe this is a time for you to declare the lordship of Jesus over a specific storm in your life. Maybe you're going through something, something with someone, something... It has to do with a job or a struggle or a challenge or a loss. Maybe there is a storm raging in your world and this morning is just about you again getting your eyes off of the storm and getting your eyes onto Jesus just for a little bit, just again to say, God, you are bigger, you are stronger, you are with me in the midst of this and I don't know where it's going and I don't know how it will end, but I do know this, I can trust in you and I choose to. Maybe this is just a time for you to declare that again through this meal, just between you and him. Whatever it is this morning, friends, we want to give you a little time here just to do some business with God. Whatever business you need to do, I don't know what it is, but you do. And if you don't, just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. God, reveal to me 
what do we need to do here? What do we need to talk about? What needs to happen between us? I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward and distribute the communion elements. And as they do, we're just going to give you some space. Hold on to the bread, hold on to the cup, and we're going to receive them together in just a moment. But before they're passed, let me, let me just pray. Would you pray with me just for a moment? Holy Spirit, come now into our presence. Scratch that, Lord, you're here. We ask that we become aware, that we're open to your presence. And so teach us, change us, shape us, help us to see where you want to work in our lives. For those who need to give their life to you, Lord, nudge them, call them, pull them to yourself. We love you, God. We thank you for being bigger than even the wind and the waves. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.